0: I wish to thank the Fertility and the Reproduction Studies Group uh, for giving me the opportunity to contribute uh, to this uh, seminar cycle on the topic of infant feeding. Although uh, what I am going to say is a partly a revisitation of a previous reflection of mine on breastfeeding as a gift as a whole it is intended to be a starting point for systematic consideration of a female wisdom associated with the care of offspring not, and not only a female wisdom required to come to terms with a model that are at the same time constructive and constrictive in recent re, re, i recently recently discussed the latter point in a speech I gave at the conference organized by the Academic Forum for Gender Policy and Studies at the University of Padua, which I belong to. The title of the conference was Care as a Relationship Within the World. Is female wisdom, construction or constriction My own contribution entitled Having to give oneself, knowing how to give oneself the traps of naturality, meant to go beyond the alternative state in the conference title by suggesting that construction and constriction should be thought of not as opposed but as part of one same process and does need to be dealt with together. How does the breastfeeding the act par excellence of caregiving of a woman and the mother's giving herself to her little one how does the breastfeeding interact with constructions and constriction. For a long time, a woman's bringing forth a baby was inseparable from her breastfeeding it as an act of continuity in giving life which, having begun with pregnancy, went on after childbirth. As Gabrielle Palmer writes, breastfeeding has ensured the survival of our species for 98% of its long history. However, in the Western areas, between the 70s and 80s of the past centuries, the capacity for giving nourishment through function of the female body ended up clashing against the demands of modernity. Being understood as the attempt to subject nature, this modernity aimed and liberated woman from dependency on a body, keeping her tied to a more manifest animality, which made her, in the words of Simone de Beauvoir, a slave to the species in a greater degree than her male counterpart. The much-hided freedom from breastfeeding afforded by Formula Milk was in a sense a democratic development of wet nursing, which in Italy, as in Europe and North America, had previous market upper-middle-class women's renunciation of the, their role as a nursing mother in a favor of their duty as a wife. Beyond the example above, in every human community, this specific nutritional technique has been the object of so many definitions, of so much continual re-reading of its modes, meanings and symbol, that cannot but be considered a fact, an act of culture. What about woman? What is woman's place in this swinging between obviousness and substitution? In what terms is a woman present as a person in this giving or not giving milk to her little one? How does a woman experience and perceive the potentialities of her physiology, which, while they are all inside her body, undergo processes and dynamics of thinking, which all originate outside her body? As a rule, the role assigned to women and the way in which their bodies have been interpreted in connection with those roles along the various life stage and historical times have always been thought of as linked with a feminine nature hovering between ideology and I- idealization. Why are women so automatically (coughs) associated with nature? Why are the primary thoughts of of his body whose function, play some pivotal role as to model their being women and persons? Anthropological research has amply shown that there is no culture or society in which the figure of a woman has not undergone some mental elaboration, enclosed inside frames of meaning, aim to exert control over everything emanating from women's bodies, from sexual activity to pregnancy, from childbirth to breastfeeding, from menstruation to menopause. Gianna Pomata writes, Nothing, perhaps, is more fascinating than the manner in which physiological differences between the sexes are perceived and interpreted in the various symbol systems of a culture. Nothing seems more elaborated and complex than the symbolic articulation of what we tend to take for granted as a crude biological datum. The function, uh, the function of the female body that distinguish it from the other sex have placed women conceptually on a ground of stability, of continuity that is proper to what belongs in the ambit of nature, and is thus immutable in the context of human relationships. In Simone de Beauvoir's view, the biological difference between men and women as regards the physiology of reproduction would have entitled the symbolic equation of women and nature. There be sanctioning a logic of contraposition if not of estrangement of the radical being other of woman. The pill of this radical otherness of woman has been sweetened over time from the function of her body as sanctioned by physiology. This otherness has been shifted to a way of being human. As defined along a whole set of moods, among which the cult given has gradually taken on the balance of female inclination in the sense of a natural disposition. High minded pages have been written on this inclination, celebrating her that gives life, her that gives nourishment. Care that gives care and thereby confine a woman to the roles of a breeder, wet nurse, and caregiver. With the help of an ill advised contribution from the wom- women themselves, which should not be forgotten, these roles have been sanctioned by the whole of society. It seemed to me that breastfeeding is the act that, perhaps more needly than any other gesture, marks a woman and a mother's giving herself, devoting herself to the care, to the taking care of her little one. And that is a status and an epitome. epitome is enhanced if we consider it in a context where it still remains an indispensable instrument for the survival of the newborn. The example of the example of breastfeeding among gogo women which I study in Tanzania is particularly telling that while it confirms breastfeeding as a gesture of giving of offering to what is other than oneself. It never reduces to simple necessity or a so-called propensity or calling of the woman and the mother. A gogo mother, when a few hours after childbirth, the gogo purpura offer her breast to the newborn, This simple gesture is the result of a complex composition of elements, actions, reactions, engrossing emotional states. The automatic gesture of offering her breast, which to the mother, is the most obvious response to the baby's needs. is actually governed by complex and articulated dynamics ordered on rules, on customs, on symbolical models, on beliefs shared by the women, the parental couple, the whole community. Besides, networks of relationships marked by rights and duties make the mother-baby diet a reality which is anything but isolated anything but enclosed inside the nutritional dynamics of the mother's giving and the lactance receding interpreted as coming from a purely natural matrix of feminine reaction propensity inclination that the beginning act is not only or simple the response of the potentialities of female physiology in nourishment. It is a stage in a journey which started long ago, was prepared and predisposed long ago, and which by degrees has become part first of the woman's expectations then of the present life. For naturally, as called up by Go women in offering their breasts, underlies propensity, which has gradually formed and built up along the growth process, first of the little girl, then of the adolescent, final of the women. Spontaneity, then, which was firmly interjected during the childhood years, has been increasingly counterbalanced by obligation, as maternal milk is the only and indispensable nourishment for the newborn's survival. In this sense, spontaneity and obligation coexist in the gesture. They become intertwined. They feed each other in a mother's action which is experienced as obvious and natural. Spontaneity and obligation would seem to clash with each other. But if we think of a woman as a subject which is other, and grasp the intrinsic and autonomous value of this otherness, there will emerge a moral orientation, different from the official logic an ethics of care and responsibility which is grounded on concrete and contextual criteria of interdependence and relationality. It is in light of the actualization of this gesture as a compendium of spontaneity and obligation that it makes sense to understand breastfeeding as a gift Within the optics of the total social fact highlighted by Marcel Moss in his famous homonymous essay, GIF is the instrument of the setting up of a relationship, of being inside relationships in a way that, in the case of breastfeeding, confers a priority on the tutelage of affection and relationships. The giving, the receiving and the giving back as a foundation of most concept of a gift can be recognized in the nutritional dyna- dynamics of the wet nurse's lactantid diet. The mother The mother gives her own milk to her baby, offering her breast. The baby receives milk by sucking the mother's breast. The latter action offers the mother the opportunity of giving her milk again and allows the baby to receive it again. The circularity of giving, receiving and giving back milk feed if I am allowed, the pun, the meaning itself of the relationship and exchange between wet nurse and lactant, what Cahier calls the value of the tie. The wet nurse and lactant are not simply involved in a relationship where they complement each other in an interplay of mere interest, of more or less obvious advantages. Intrinsic in the exchange is a fully social relationship woven not only of affection and emotions, but also of experimentation and outcomes which transcend the nurse lactative synergism. For breastfeeding is a giving repeated over time. Response to a material necessity feeding the baby with food that is special for it is permeated with moments that are ideal and affective is the locus in the intertwine of different emotional states of the mother and the baby becomes and, then, and at the same time the object of giving becomes a good at the service of social ties. This remind one, reminds one of Moos who, when dealing with concrete social action, states that the latter is the bi-nature symbolic and the aim to signify, signify actively by mixing indissolubility, obligation and freedom interest and disinterestedness. In his studies of the language of a gift in a modern Western society, Cahiers at, okay, Cahier at the heart of a third network of circulating goods and services, which is hardly even perceived in itself, but as essential, the network of sociality. Within this third network, goods are put at the service of the creation and consolidation of the social tie. And what matters in the first place is not so much the use value of the exchange value as could be called the tie value. Cahiers' third network, somehow, seemed to call up the domestication referred to by Antoine de Saint exupery in The Little Prince. When the boy invites the fox to play with him, the animal replies that he can't because he has not been domesticated. In The Fox Thought, the meaning of being domesticated lies in the having to acquire and becoming able to apply the special technique of creating ties. It is in this way that for a woman the outcome, outcome of breastfeeding an activity grounded on a peculiarity of her physiology becomes enriched on extreme cultural and the relational, relational plane with the purpose of creating, confirming and reinforcing ties, of acquiring consensus, of being recognized as a, a good mother, a mother concerned with the health of the little one and much more. Why much more? Because in the experience of a Gogo woman, breastfeeding is also an occasion on which her communal image and ties, not only as a mother, but at the same time as a wife, daughter, and daughter-in-law, are enhanced as a response to the expectation of her husband, mother, mother-in-law, more and more generally of her kindred group. Her image as a mother will thus be returned to her through a multiplication of relational wealth which will gratify her as a person and increase her self-esteem. It appears evident, therefore, that for a woman to give her milk is a social action where the good, is much, the good is as much at the service of life as it is of the ties, And this proves so much more true when the outcome of breastfeeding is not the desired one, that is, the health of the newborn. What is involved in this case is the observance of the traditional rules, Which impose on a mother complete sexual abstinence during the whole breastfeeding period. Infringement of these rules means seriously impairing the nutritional quality of one's milk and has a consequence a deterioration in the body of one's baby. Here, maternal milk. As it depend in its quality on the mother's behavior, suddenly turns into a fluid which can be poison or poison, an ambivalence which cannot but recall the etymological ambivalence of the word gift in the German language. A gift in English is a present, gift in German is a venom. venom. However, devastating the effect on a baby's health of a bad milk which puts its life at risk it is no less devastating for the woman's image as a mother wife daughter and daughter-in-law the woman is immediately isolated but at the same time kept under close observation first of all by her mother-in-law a scrutiny aimed to ascertain whether she is doing the right things, as provided by tradition, to remedy her neglect in the care of her baby. All ties involving change, solidarity, and consideration toward her person, which are so important in community relationships, are denied to her. And now, how about Italian mothers? While for Gowoo women, maternal milk is good at the service of both life and social ties, in the Western area, breastfeeding has been gradually taking on disparate meanings, from its actualization to its management. From its abandonment to its restoration, the modifying meanings of breastfeeding at a parallel those of the qualities of the female body, which has never before have been the object of control by society, politics and medical science, in what Nancy Scheper-Hughes and Margaret Locke referred to as the logic of three bodies individual, social, and political. In an early paper of mine, comparing Italian mothers to Vogo ones, what, in my opinion, stood out most clearly was, on the one hand, a marked difference in the priorities and the contents of the inculturation process undergone by young girls in the two different realities. On the other hand, a sameness in the difficulty that the female person has in both realities trying to come to terms with her task of harmonizing needs, expectations and choice while playing the different roles she has to play in premise that of mother. In the Go context the future of a young girl, as it were, accompanies their growth and they gradually acquire awareness of what it means to be an adult person, that is having and growing children. But while Italian girls continue to be given dolls as a dubious reminder of future maternity, Their educational context, both formal and informal, provides very little toward instructing them in the physiology of their body, in sexuality, in what is required by being, and more important, acting as a mother, if she wants to be one, but also a wife, or a partner, or single. In the Italian context, The female body, whether it belongs to child, and adolescent, or a woman, has been made into a locus of representation of shapes, attitudes, and fashions, where pregnancy itself, when it does come about, has become an object of ostentation. Premaman clothes, which were meant to discreetly conceal what could not be concealed, have long been replaced with succinct garments, where everything is shown, at times, cheekily displayed. As specifically regards breastfeeding, an Italian girl have on average only short and rare opportunities to observe her mother offering her breast to a little brother or sister, and even less encouragement to take her mother as a model to imitate when she is herself a mother. After a girl starts the formal education, year after year she (coughs) gradually comes into the attitude that an academic qualification, a a regarding job and Financial independence are all priority objectives, even though maternity, marriage, and family may well continue to be part of her horizon as an adult woman. How does one keep together maternity and job? How can one how does one want to be fulfilled as a mother or wife or partner or as single and at the same time as a woman and a person, women wonder what what opportunities are offered them in a society which, while it pays lip service to maternity, deals with pregnancy, breastfeeding and infant care in a such a way that a woman's concrete everyday reality as a person seems to be forgotten? They wonder how much influence is still extend in the collective imaginary, but that calling which is immediately identified as a feminine, the calling to be a mother, to give care, to be a caregiver, pure and simple, As women are asked to perform a consolidated role as caregivers, ethical barriers arise which relegate them to the naturality. As mothers, whenever they propose themselves as a person entitled to rights and thus to individual liberties. The ideological character of the barriers betrayed by the very fact that while this supposed naturality is extolled, the notary rate in Italy is among the lowest, if not the lowest in the world. One should there ask what is left of the intently universal female inclination to care dictated by intently immutable rules of nature when it continues to be the object of intervention on different levels and with different competencies by society, politics and science, when the latter dictates new rules, new behaviors, new priority, so they may at times point to a return to old ways and cast off habits, in Italy breastfeeding has undergone a series of successive interventions which have made arduous, not to say downright contradictory, the coexistence of a nature which is widely acclaimed and the culture which is virtually acknowledged. With these premises, it is idle to ask what Italian women can have to share with the go-ones, and whether the logic of a gift, as defined by what has been said about the, about, excuse me, about the latter, can be traceable in the way in which their Italian peers suckle their own babies. I have already hinted at the contradictory fate met by breastfeeding in Italy, as in the whole West, between abandonment and restoration, between advice and control, between contradictory proclamations and as contradictory outcomes. Contradictory because, on the one hand, breastfeeding has been the object of continual intervention, of declaration of intents, of apples, of celebration. On the other hand, there has been an instance of its destiny as the natural way to feed the lactan and the child. Is that natural and obvious, which continually needs to undergo training or retraining? I have previously stated and anthropological research has proved that this natural method of feeding young offspring, characteristic of the class of mammals, has acquired in the species Homo sapiens properties which have made it increasingly an act of culture, not only in these modes, motives, and timings, but in the very urge to offer, or not to offer, the breast. Motives that are social, cultural and political, economic, no less than ethical, have everywhere shaped its actualization. With the same force, with the same authority, they have established different modes, and define different qualities. As a recent example, the Italian Ministry of Health guidelines on breastfeeding begin by extolling the irreplaceableness of maternal milk for the growth of a child and go on to remind us of the WHO's recommendations namely, that the baby be exclusively breastfed for the first six months, and then, that breastfeeding be continuing, supplemented with other food, as long as the mother and the child wish, even after the first year of life. Recommendations like this have long been part of promotion activities directed to pregnant women, on occasion, such as birth preparation courses or gynecological examination and to new mothers after birth with an aim to help them establish as close and immediate contact with their little ones as possible but all this effort, all this search for visibility which in Italy and elsewhere, well have culminated with the celebration of the World Week of Breastfeeding do not seem to be meeting with comparable success. According to the data provided by report of the Convention Committee of the Rights of Infants and Adolescent, 2013 95 percent of mothers start breastfeeding in hospital but once they are back home the percentage falls to below 30 percent. Besides pediatricians report that only five of Italian mother five percent of Italian mothers are continuing breastfeeding as exclusive nutrition, at six months after the birth of their babies. Beyond the available official data, whose statistical relevance at any rate is high debatable, I feel I cannot disagree with Rodota when he says that data don't mean much when life is involved. We ought to look at women for what they are as a person and how they can respond, how they are placed placed in a condition to respond to the many authoritative appeals in favor of breastfeeding. The policies themselves which are supposed to support maternity and breastfeeding, the latest in Italy, the contribution of 80 euros per month to new mothers for each child child under three years of age because a baby's bottle costs money, as our Prime Minister put it, persists in not adequately considering the daily life of women as a person the concrete operational environment of their experience as a mother. Women continue to be forced inside the framework which, to follow Needham's term, can be termed as monothetic in the sense that they are rigidly defined through a few essential traits of which maternity and care seem to be the most significant. Instead, as Needham suggests, the word woman ought to be used as a polythetic term. Its meaning should no longer be confined a priori within the boundaries of the feminine nature, but should be seen as the result of different experiences which produce qualities of being women and being persons, which are variable in time, in, sp- in space, and from woman to woman. On the basis of these considerations, what emerges from a comparison between Italian and go women is, in my opinion, a basic inequality due to the fact that in the go-go reality breastfeeding is a gesture having a choral value in the sense that it is a fulfilling experience with a reference to both the baby's health and the, the relation wealth involved, Cayes third network. As for Italian women, while the traits of gift-giving at the service of life can still be recognized in the gesture of offering the breast, the idea of gift we have to deal with here is one that is problematic, not to say maimed, defective, lacking in something incomplete. What I mean, or rather what I ask is, while the wetness-lactant exchange continues to produce the circularity of giving, receiving and the giving back, which to most is the foundation of the concept of gift, how fulfilling is the circularity for the mother-baby diet, to what extent does it nourish? the meaning itself or the exchange relationship the value of the tie in Cahiers words to what extent is the exchange the vehicle, vehicle of a fully social relationship one, that is, which relationally transcends the wetness-lactant ties the reason for the precocious abandonment of breastfeeding for the difficulties and anxiety experienced by not a few Italian women involved in the process, phenomena which are unknown among Gogu women, are to be searched for, not where there are most searched for their bodies, but in what happens around them. These reasons are mainly to do with the neglect they suffer as a woman and a person, the neglect of those qualities which make them polythetic individuals. We are often confronted with the paradox of personal, intimate realities of women who are at the same time completely left to their own devices, and continually monitored by a medical sense which confines mothers to their bodies. As a consequence, a mother has to find her way among authoritative messages, telling her at times imperiously what she must do for the good of her baby. She may have to confront a partial disapproval or, perhaps worse, total indifference toward her behavior from her family or peers. At the same time, she cannot ignore that substitutes for mother's milk are readily available on the market. All these contradictory messages can make her feel inadequate and cause growing anxieties of which she may feel she needs to get the right of at the soonest opportunity. Alongside this picture, or rather against it, there are women's associations whose purpose is to help nursing mother by facilitating contact and the sharing of experience with other women. As a proof, that this nutritional technique required to be processed through the mind rather than through the pure naturality of the body. But the latter is also an example of the quality of giving at the service of relationships, of an interdependence between the self and the other that belongs to the dimension of gift In the light of these considerations, the breastfeeding experience needs to be made into a contributor of quality to women's lives, to help them overcome their having to give themselves in favour of knowing how to give themselves, so that spontaneity is a gain where no obligation is involved. What needs to be overcome is having to give oneself willfully understood as a process, founded on immanence closely connected to the female body, to its natural laws as proclaimed by biology and physiology, and to the sexual identity constructed upon this immanence. What needs to be gained is a knowing how to give oneself understood as a sort of a commitment developing from a process whose origin is outside the body thought the body is far from deny a process whose driven force is a willingness to put oneself at stake to invest in trust that is, in the possibility of a synergy whose objectives are far from granted or even defined in this sense knowing how to give oneself is the action of cognizant self summoning a multiplicity of a behavioral model of a relational scenarios and the last but not least of feelings and emotions that a woman as a person can entertain, experience, but also undergone in the course of her existence. How does one build a cognizant self? How does one avoid falling into the ever-ready trap of the imminence of the female body? How can Italian women live the fullness of their own peculiar lives, of their own being other in a social tissue which is soaked in contradiction on account of its persistent connection with anachronistic stereotypes. I think that women, all women, should avail themselves of something they have always done, that they have always more or less cognizantly put into practice invest in what is precarious. And what is more precarious than a mere possibility than the trust underlying the gesture of giving? It is through this knowledge knowing how to give herself, by investing in trust, that woman has, all, has, has at all times expressed her peculiarity as a person, that is, as a human being, that, though performed, is not constrained in ideological straight jackets. For even at the most critical moments, she has known how to give value to the incertitude of self which is not to be understood as weakness, but as strength, the strength of asking yourself a question, breaking out of the frame that were and still are meant to cage her. As we are near the close of this brief consideration, my face steps along a path which needs further and deeper study The female inclination that we mentioned at the beginning is no longer the court tying women to nature, but has turned into a woman wave of being other. A being other that is no longer a mere product of the body, but a plan for an action directed toward what is outside the body, in which so-called female wisdom becomes the agent of an historical heritage claiming visibility for the self beyond the body, beyond its function used as ideological cage. And it is only women who can do this. If the action we are thinking about is one in which humans are committed today as yesterday, to enable, enable enabling, excuse me, their own being as a muted group to overcome idling hardness noting of the disadvantage of not having an appropriate language so that it may turn into an advantage and become the processing ground for other modes of being and of acting as effective contribution Toward a different quality of a woman's being person and being in the world. Of course, breastfeeding will remain for women a peculiarity of their own, but one process in the modes of knowing how to give themselves, which, while time to term with the fact that one human is different from another is centered upon a taking up of responsibility, aimed to confer priority on the tutelage of relationship and affections, last but not least on their own identity as women and persons. The path is impervious and slippery, and as the traveler is climbed traps are everywhere ready to spring and detours lark behind each tournament. It is up to women not to shirk the challenge. Thank you.